Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the 905 Roundup with me, Roland Hanna. I am Joel McLeod. And uh, a couple of pretty big stories. Well, one very much uh, in our wheelhouse, um, which is Hamilton's vote last Friday, I believe, on the um, very late at night as well. Um, on the uh, urban boundary expansion issue, and um, well, it's depending which, depending on your view and who you're employed by, uh, good news or terrible news, I guess. But Joe, uh, give us a, the update on what what went down. Uh, well, not the urban boundary. Uh, it was voted down, uh, I should say, <laughs> uh, by by uh, city council, which I think took uh, some people by surprise. I, I think there was a there, there was an undercurrent of uh council was going to to let this one go through um and it, it it was voted down very surprising uh but i think very welcomed by a good deal of hamiltonians uh i know that the, the stop the sprawl uh hamont people must be ecstatic uh whom we, we had on a a few weeks ago uh to discuss their size but it, yeah it was it was it was defeated uh which was very interesting is how how it was uh, how the vote was broken down. Essentially, of the city of the city council, only three councilors voted in favor of the expansion, and those were uh, Lloyd Ferguson, Mary Pearson, and Terry Whitehead. Uh, and it should be noted that uh, Terry Whitehead, who had voted for the expansion, uh, was saying that this is uh, going. He thought it was going to have a detrimental effect on uh, on the housing market and leave our children in unaffordable housing conditions uh, for generations to come, which is, I think, I think a bit of a, a, a simplification of the problem um, uh, on his part. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, <clears throat> it's, I mean, every time anybody objects to anything being built, the argument comes back the other way is, well, our children are going to have to pay through it's like, but yeah, somewhere there's a line where, uh, you know, what is mm-hmm. what is built, um, and, and what our children's houses are going to cost, um, stop being just you know one stops justifying the other at every single turn, um, and and it's just, you know, I mean, I I, I think it's 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 interesting. Well, let's start off with the good stuff. Yeah, I I think Hamilton Council did the right thing. Good for Hamilton Council. Um, it's um, it's interesting to ask. You know, is is are the councillors picking up on the on the kind of vibe that is out there? Uh, you know, the winds of change, mm-hmm. so to speak, and um, appreciating that they they maybe need to um, pay a little bit more close attention now and, and the you know the stop sprawl people and the city itself in terms of holding a very large uh, survey um, far far larger than cities usually carry out for anything um, on the expansion issue which came back with an overwhelming and resounding no um, I mean I, th- I think you know the messages were cut pretty clear from people in Hamilton that they did not want this. So um, maybe, you know, well, even these councillors couldn't really go against that well, tide. Well, not only that, but, you know, this is a uh, a sneak peek uh, in terms of episodes ahead uh, for the 905 or so, you know, 
hit that subscribe button. Uh, but you know, we, we, we're going to speak with, uh, in an upcoming episode with, uh, Graham Crawford is going to be coming back onto, uh, onto the podcast, uh, from I elect Hamilton. And one of the things that we do ask him is what, what is with the grassroots mobile mobilization in Hamilton? There seems to be this, this energy of people who just say, no, we're, we're, it, the status quo doesn't work for us anymore. We need we we need to move forward in terms of development. And Stop Sprawl uh, Hamont is definitely one of those factors. Clearly, they they they're in influential. I thought one of the things that really it was a small thing, but it was a huge huge thing in terms of changing the 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 course of the the dialogue that was happening on this on this uh, matter was when they released that that map of all the possible sites in Hamilton that could be repurposed or rebuilt or just quite frankly a vacant lots that could be built into condo towers or housing units or businesses or whatever it was just the swiss cheese map of hamilton they said this is what we should be focusing on let's build here let's complete the city before we even think about having to tear up the strip of farmland uh that surrounds us i i, I personally i, I mean the, this came in light of uh, million-dollar PR firms trying to persuade in the the argument, and they lost big time on this. Well, and there was a guy tweeting, and he came from one of the. Uh, sorry, I got some feedback in my headphones. Um, there was a guy tweeting, and he was a representative of one of the lobbying groups for the development industry, and I can't remember which one. Doesn't really matter which one. Um, and he was tweeting early on Friday saying, you know, councillors have to stand up for these NIMBYs who don't want urban expansion. And it's like, good Lord, this is the opposite of NIMB. I mean, I hate that word anyway. But um, this is people saying, no, we don't want you to build on the edge of town, far right. away from where I live. We want you to build downtown. In my backyard. In my I backyard. Live. In my backyard. Well, like yeah. And I mean, it really is. And, and I think it's... Uh, we were just talking about before we came on about it was an interesting article by uh, Devon Roundcliffe in the um, in uh, uh, Looney Politics website um, about kind of the role of the nine hundred five in uh, in elections and it's kind of well, I'd say disproportionate. It's not actually disproportionate. It's probably exactly proportionate to the number of people who live here um, and the kind of you know SUV notion SUV nation. Uh, that's not a phrase he used, but it's one I use that kind of. You know, we're we're all obsessed by our cars and by our big, comfortable minibuses and SUVs, and but then it's just true. I mean, I think that's very much the 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 perception of of the nine five. And it's like, but then it's it's like, well, in the last few weeks, we've seen massive um, opposition to Highway four thirteen. Um, you know, what seems clear is no one. There's no great call for the Highway four thirteen or the um, uh, the Bradford by the right. bypass. Um, no one's really calling for it. A lot of people are, are, you know, and there may be a lot, the vast majority of people may not care either way, but they're not calling for it. This is not a vote winner uh, other than with the development industry. Um, there's a lot of people saying, we don't want this. It's not necessary. And uh, we're seeing the same in Hamilton where, you know, traditionally it's like, well, like, yeah, we, we need, we need our semi-detached, we need our detached homes and our double garages and we need, uh, you know, we need to be able to drive to the mall and we need to do all these things. That's not what the 
people who are, are involved in local politics in the 905 are saying anymore. It's just that's not the, the direction that it seems to me that things are really going. Well, um, and part of, well, part and of that, like what we've, again, we've talked about this many times on this podcast, is that we were growing out of that suburban commuter mindset. And that's something that I'm, I'm hoping is going to start, it's going to start changing in terms of our political leadership, uh, r recognizing that, um, you know, the involvement in, in change, in changing the rules surrounding how cities develop, how cities grow and how cities meet the challenges of affordable housing of, you know, that 15 minute city idea. That's, that is something that has to be, I think, yeah, brought down into a local, local level. It, the, the, the simple fact is that we're the too often we're stuck with this binary binary notion of, oh, we just have to keep building, build another highway, build another, another subdivision, and our problems will be solved. And here's the thing: I don't think it, you know, it clearly won't. Uh, we we need a little bit more innovation, a little bit more creative thinking, which is what, ironically, you go to the go to the people and say, well, how do we, how, how do we re re purpose land how do we redevelop this into useful condo buildings uh livable spaces and and put those on the market and help moderate costs and, and whatnot and then, again i go back to the stop the sprawl hammock people who put forward a really i thought it was an ingenious way of saying we're not just saying don't build here it's you're not finished building the city yet when you're done finished building this i think they're, they're, you know the argument is pretty much yeah, yeah when you're finished building the city then we can talk about expanding out, but you're not finished yet. This is, this is just easy money for the developer because it is easy, you know, just dig a hole, build a house, move on. And Hamilton's obviously a city that has had longstanding problems with its downtown, um, you know, and, and um, I don't think I'm saying anything that, that, that isn't well known there. Um, and, why on earth would you want to focus development and income on green fields when downtown is crying out for um, right. investment? It's limited development is ultimately investment, and it's new people to live there. New, you know, people coming out to Toronto because uh, looking for more affordable housing or whatever. And you know, it's it's, it's this thing about. Well, if you don't build it here, then then you know our children aren't going to be afford things. Our children aren't going to be buying detached homes on the edge of uh, Hamilton anyway. That the, they would be highly expensive houses. I'm willing to bet. Here, here's um, a question: uh, Do you now? Do you think that this was a, a play by many city city councillors to try and jump on the bandwagon, so to speak? I mean, we, we, we talked like, you know, the, the winds of change are blowing through Hamilton. You had Stop Sprawl Hamont uh, organizing very well. I elect Hamilton is turning into a force to be reckoned with in terms of the, the, uh, the municipal scene here in Hamilton. Do you think it's a matter of councillors who are, are seeing these winds of change and saying, well, I, I want to get on the good side, uh, get, get some uh, kudos in my bonnet, so to speak, so come election time? Yeah, I think if the vote had gone the other way, I think it's interesting where the people who did vote the other way came from. They were all councillors who live on on the edge. You know, they're the suburban councillors. Um, I'm not going to make any guess as to why they might favour development more, but I mean, it, it, 
you know, there's all kinds of reasons. Um, but I also think, um, you know, a massive, a massive survey held by the city with very large numbers of respondents overwhelmingly pointing in one direction. If they had voted in favor of urban expansion, then every um, person running for council next year would be knocking on the door saying, look what they did. They're wrecking the city. You know, it would be so, yeah, they've done the thing that makes sense. Here's the other thing I don't know, uh, and I haven't, I asked this question on Twitter and I don't know if anyone knows the answer. Maybe I should go and look at the Municipal Act and work it out for myself or the Planning planning Act. Um, is this decision appealable at LPAT? Because if it is, it will be. Um, and, you know, uh, well, the, the Ontario Land Tribunal. Um, so many things are appealable at LPAT. This could be. The minister has already made his um, preferences clear, um, you know, and this I could well also be subject to an MZO. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think anything is pretty much subject to an MZO at the end of the day. Um, but I, I, here, my, I don't. But my question. Know. But here's the thing: uh, the MZOs come in only in politically expedient circumstances uh, from this provincial government. They, they, they're not. They're not implemented. In a some kind of surgical style to you know we're going to reshape the the landscape of Ontario for maximum transportation efficiency or, or whatnot. It is very much clearly their political tools by the existing government. Here's the thing: in Hamilton, there are no PC votes. There there have not been PC votes at the provincial level in Hamilton. I don't know if there's a political scientist or political historian on there, maybe they'll know, but not in my lifetime. And I don't see that changing in the next election. Um, yeah. I mean, Dundas is the one holdout, uh, the one exception right. to that. Um, but that's long standing liberal seat until um, uh, Donna Skelly took it in 2018. Um, yeah. Um, it, it's not happy hunting ground for them for sure. Um, but, that makes, to some extent, makes the the political fallout of doing something unpopular much smaller. I, I'm just, I'm going to be curious to see if they keep it up. Uh, you know, if it, it is, because I think right now the worst thing they can do is this turns into be a feather in the cap that they can hold up, up at election time. Say, see, I say I stopped the urban boundary, but they drop the ball on things like sewer gate. Um, uh, you know. It, any any other kind of uh, pr proposals that uh, come down the down the line between now and election day, you know, it, I, I think what I, I think the message the message that any politician in the nine hundred five, especially this end of the nine hundred five, and I think this goes beyond Hamilton uh, in term in, in scope. Any politician at any level, you've got to listen to the people. Because the people can organize, and they if they are angry enough and mobilized enough, they can be a force to be reckoned with, as they should be in a democracy. So, you know, I, I'm going to say kudos to the Stop Hamont, Stop Sprawl Hamont people for a well-run, well-organized campaign on their end. I think they definitely drove the message home. They they got the the solution that they wanted. Uh, you know, it, just kudos kudos to them. It's it, you know it's impressive to see you know, a victory for the little guy, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, it goes against the great, the, the, let's uh, make it clear that the, the city hall staff recommended in favor of expansion, which, you know, um, 
is troubling and then then proposed a revised kind of small expansion as their second recommendation when it became clear that uh, the full expansion wasn't going to fly Uh, and they both got voted down and um, I think that's a really important moment for the whole 905 not just Hamilton and um, yeah well done for the public because if no one was paying attention as happens so often with major decisions in our municipalities this almost certainly would have gone a different way Mm -hmm. almost certainly let's take a break there and then we'll come back and uh, look at what else is happening welcome back and well uh, this is not a local issue but but is a local issue I think Um, and that's the uh, what's happening out in BC right now where um, amidst floods and and the province being cut off from the rest of Canada we have the RCMP um, seemingly acting pretty aggressively shall we say with regard to the wet Sueton protesters um, well, there. I think what's interesting is that it's uh, we're, we're we're shaping up to. Well, I, I, I I'm I'm jumping ahead of myself. What I thought was interesting is uh, the connection, the the seeming connection that it had to the 905 uh, and and to what's happening at uh, 1492 Landback Lane uh, here in uh, in Caledonia in our backyard, and that was uh, w- one of the organizers at 1492. Land back lane. The the leader, uh, if they if you will, uh, Skylar Williams, uh, went out to the the West Switzerland, uh prote- protest their their land to show solidarity. And in the process of while he was out there, the RCMP invoked this uh, gas coastal gas line uh, uh, injunction and went in and arrested him along with another another number of other uh, land defenders there. Including a number of journalists uh, and impartial people, uh, just kind of this mass arrest, uh, which sparked a, a response here in the, here in the nine hundred five in Hamilton. There was a, on, on the weekend there was a massive uh, shutdown of Bay Street by land defenders here uh, and some representatives from fourteen ninety two Landback Lane uh, to come out here to uh, to to show solidarity. And I thought that was interesting because of the the similarities. If you remember back uh, last year, uh, the last kerfuffle with the on the Wet'suwet'en <laughs> land by the RCMP, uh, there were rail railway uh, blockades all across the the country, uh, and it, again, the economy was almost brought to a standstill when goods weren't able to travel to market. And I thought that that was. What what happened uh, in in Hamilton? Uh, I think definitely showed signs of uh, kind of a, a mirror of that. We could be looking at again another Canada wide uh, series of protests. Well, and, and while this is a BC provincial issue in some ways, anything to do with First Nations is is a, is a national issue, uh, kind of as of mm-hmm. as of right, if you like. Um, the you know, we've just come through an election where the Prime Minister promised all kinds of warm words about reconciliation. Since that election, the federal government has once again been told by the courts that it needs to pay up on the uh, Jordan's principle issue, which is the, um, for those who may have forgotten, the issue of um, 
whether when Ontario or when a province and when the federal government can't agree on who should be paying health care, that someone should damn well pay it anyway. Um, and now this has been rolling on for the whole time, that, um, well, from I'm sure from before the Liberals came into government, but uh, uh, you know they, they have shown themselves these warm words that come from the Prime Minister. You can't get away with it anymore. Can't even get away with it. It's someone like me who is, you know, from a background prior to starting to do this, it was, you know, uh, an activist uh, f- for the damn party. It's like, no, this is, this is terrible. What, what it strikes um, me, you know, you can't, you can't, um, you know, carry on. Um, they, they've lost so many court cases in this Jordan's principal issue. have lost count. And, and every time they get, well, we're going to appeal it. We're going to appeal it, whatever. It, it's symbolic. You know, mm-hmm. in this case, the prime minister needs to start getting involved in these in these issues because god damn it needs some leadership and it it's not good enough you know this is unceded territory um so that means what unceded means is that there's no no deal was ever done so by whose right can we say it's it's Canada's right. to do with as what, it wishes. By whose gets, right are the police there defending the interests of a gets, private gets company me about all this is- um Coming back to the federal government, you know, this is you're right. In in the in, what happened out west on the on the west wet land was you know, this was the the federal government should have been focusing on okay, how do we rebuild uh, the the highway connecting the port of Vancouver to the rest of Canada? How how do, how do we fix that? And instead, you have the RCMP saying, "Oh, well, we're going to go and do what we do best, which is kick ass and take names, kick heads and take names." I guess might be the better better term. I, I what gets me is that it, it's it's the repe- the repeating of history here is that the last time the RCMP did this, it led to nationwide protests by First Nations people who sympathize and who are siding with the Wet'suwet'en uh, people, as is their right. Again, if you're going for this nation to nation relationship, which apparently the Prime Minister wants to invoke, the various nation First Nations of this land have the right to say, well, we side with them. We side with the Wet'suwet'en uh, people. It, I, I find, I, 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 I'll be honest, this, the whole thing is just this cycle of ridiculousness uh, on the part of the federal government. Like at some point, you have to step in and say, okay, it, it's a system that we're trying to use to fix these wrongs, these generational wrongs. Is that a problem? If that's the case, then maybe you need to show some leadership and say, we need a new system. Because yeah, my, my bet is, yeah, the, they're going through the courts because, oh, use the courts. That's what they're there for. No, the courts were there to keep denying First Nations their rights. It's there to muck up the system, to wear them down, to wear them down financially, to to wear them down generationally because these things take forever. I mean, we're still working on land claims from the 1800s in the court systems. These things, the, the system is meant to wear it down, wear down the people. It, it, it may not work. It's, and I think we're, what, eight years of, of just a Prime Minister Trudeau. At some point, man, you have to look at the facts, say, this isn't working. And show. Uh, and it's it, this, this, this. Yeah, I mean, this thing of, of, of Trudeau. <sighs> You know, 
standing on a podium and coming out with warm words and you know, yeah we're we're gonna you know we're gonna be different we we care about indigenous issues we're gonna have it we're gonna have a whole holiday and everything you know and and you know i may go off and do some surfing but whatever it's a holiday it's not good enough it's not good enough anymore and and it, i think it's incumbent on all of all of we canadians who are not mm-hmm. um First Nations, who are you know, uh, who who came here, whether two hundred years ago or last year, to to say this is not good enough anymore. Um, you know, and and it's, it's part and parcel with yeah. with the environment mental challenge. You know, this is an oil pipeline. Um, we're dealing with you know, it's all connected because we're dealing with with stopping sprawl in Hamilton, with um, and and again, ultimately the Caledonia issue was about sprawl. Yeah. And about development. Well, if, you, um, if you think outside about, the green belt, think about it as much as the, anything else. The, the, the fourteen ninety two land back lane situation pretty much mirrors what's happening out west. It's the same. It's the exact same principle. It's their land. They say we don't want to use it this way. We do not want to sell it to you. Um, we we don't want to develop it this way. This is this is our land. To me, in my mind, I'm I'm just a, a simple guy uh, w- with a podcast. But to me, it's no different than I I I own my land, my my house, my property, and it's you know, if, if somebody wants to come in and use my backyard to lay a pipeline, I don't care if they've already built you know so many thousands of kilometers. The minute it gets to my line, my my yard, I'm saying no, I I'm not selling. And not for that price. You, you can count. You can. You can. You can ignore me or whatnot. But it's my land. I don't want to sell it to you. And I'm sorry, but that's the problem. Is that that? And that, that's one of the reasons why we got to get off the. And this is maybe getting a, off topic a bit, but we got to get off the pipeline binge in the in the West. This is simply why is that. Eventually, you can build, you can build, you can build. You can have people say, yeah, I'll sell you the land. I'll give you the rights. I'll lease the land, whatever. Da, da, da. Eventually, you'll get to somebody who just says, nope. And I don't care about all those other people. And I don't care about how much money t- to be made in it. I just don't want to sell my land. And here's the thing. They are 110% in their right to do so. They, it is their land. It is their, their, they're free to do with it what they want. They can, they can sell it or they cannot sell it. And unfortunately, sometimes that screws up everybody else's plans, but we have to face facts that that's what's happening here. And if the era of pipelines just has to end, and I don't care if Coastal Gas Link has so many billions of dollars invested in this project so far and they want to build it. Um, it was a bad investment, maybe. Because you just, you didn't sit down, you didn't talk to, you didn't talk to the Wet'suwet'en people, same as uh, the development in Caledonia, you didn't sit down, you didn't talk to the Six Nations properly to uh, to get an agreement. And this is what happens. Well, and the, yeah, and the, 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 the First Nations are obviously, you know, have a different view of, of you know, a spiritual connection with, with, with the earth and with the lands uh, that are associated with. Now, I mean, all of this means nothing in the context of, of Canadian European law, um, but it's, it's also a fact. And it's a fact that, that there is more sympathy with, I think from, from many Canadians than there may have been in the past. 
um, that we need to treat these lands with respect and you just don't dig them up willy-nilly. And I mean, I, I suspect, I mean, the problem is with unceded land is that there is no mm-hmm. established ownership other than then it was never ceded, um, which doesn't mean that lots of other people haven't just claimed it at various points. I mean, this this entire continent was taken um, by force, by duplicity, or by actual agreement, you know? Um, and it's... It, 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 it's that nation-to-nation thing again. The Prime Minister has to be involved. The government needs to be involved. They need to sit down with the various First Nations on a almost by, a territory-by-territory basis. Look at these ones, solve these issues, come to agreements about how disputes can be handled, um, about what can and can't be done, about, you know, if if land is unceded, then it's unceded, man. Um, uh, You know, I mean, I think how Canadian law operates is it's like, well, it's unceded, so so no one owns it. So we can do what the hell we like with it because the crown is the crown, and the crown, Mm -hmm. if if no one else has it, it belongs to the crown, right? Um, I'm, I'm talking... I don't know enough about the specifics to know if I'm talking accurately or not, but but that's how the law we inherited from Britain operates, that ultimately everything belongs to the crown and everything, you know, unless it's been given by the crown to someone else, um, which is just so completely alien to the reality on the ground of, of the people who lived here long see, before here's, here's Europeans where the, came. The, that's the crux of it, is that we have... The colonial system coming in, trying to impose its will on on the the hereditary nature of of the First Nations. It that what what gets me is like where where do we go from here? It's very clear, um, you know. It, it it's you, it's it's a, it's a case like you 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 pick on one, you pick on pick on them all, and I, I, by them I do mean like the First Nations people. Like the, there's a solidarity that's a, that's being shown here uh here in our backyard in the 905 for what's happening out uh out west you know it it's one of these things like we, the powers that be have got to get this through their heads that times are times are changing and there are people who are just not going to back down on this fight it's just not going to not going to happen no matter what what you say or do uh the the courts are I don't. I don't know. I. I, I just. I mean, we're, we're right back where we started. Um, how long? How long? How long until we have uh, the, railway the least- uh, fires happening again? Well, yeah. I mean, I mean, this has gone on for decades, I guess. So, I mean, to an extent, this is from the government's point of view. This is a price of doing business with the First Nations, and they've always managed to just get away with it by wearing them down. And being the ones who still got the police when when everybody else gets you know tired, but it. I mean, I think maybe the most important difference is w- with the residential schools coming fully into to, to the light of everybody, and pretty darn widespread sympathy um, for the First Nations and Indigenous people. Um, uh, the effects that that's had, um, you know, I don't think this is something that most people are just brushing under the carpet anymore that that also means that people like you and me are not going to accept uh 
other things that we might have turned a blind eye to or just thought, you know, someone else's problem in the past. Like, no, that, that we need a new deal for First Nations and Indigenous people in Canada, which supersedes the Indian Act in whatever way. I mean, I'm not, you know, and that's not for us to judge what goes into that. That's, that's for nation to nation conversations between Canada and, and the, and the First Nations. Um, so who knows what should be in that, but it needs to happen. And it me- needs the prime minister to take a damn lead for once yeah. in his life and show real courage on that issue. And, and, you know, if he did do that, then maybe he'd be worthy of a few more years in, in government because that alone would, would, would give him some kind of guarantee of a place in the history books. If he doesn't, that's the thing that people remember is like, here's another damn prime minister who just couldn't care enough to actually try and deal with it and and to be honest that the warm words make me sick at this point they really do i think we should leave it at that because that's a good good note to end the episode on um so thank you very much everyone for listening we'll be back next week uh with another episode take care That's it for this episode of the 905er. Thank you for listening. As always, you can send us your feedback, thoughts, and concerns, or ideas for future episodes to our email, info at 905er.ca. We'd love to hear from you. You can help us keep the 905er going by financially supporting us through Patreon as well as PayPal. Visit us at 905er.ca and click on the support tab. As well, links are in the show notes for your convenience. Lastly, you can find us on social media. Search for the underscore 905er on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. So long for now. See you next time. Candace Sampson, the voice behind what she said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.